Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. And so I want to take a moment to introduce each family, and then after I do that, we'll move into a prayer time as we dedicate the babies. So families, as I call it, just to make this easier, when I call your name, just come stand right here next to me. First family, Michael and Alex McLean and Rosalind. Come on up here. Come get, get little Rosalind. Look at this precious baby girl right here. How are you, Rosalind? All right. Okay. I tell you what, uh, I, I first met this family quite a while back, the most awkward of ways. I'd really never met Michael, and he, he looked on our website and came to our home to visit our small group. And I'm like, hey, I, I really didn't know who he was. And then I realized he was there for the small group. I'm like, come on in. <laughs> that was a bit awkward. But praise the Lord that you continued to say, hey, this is the church God has led us to. So precious girl, we bless you. We're excited that you are here today. What do y'all think of that brain squisher? Amen? It's all good. God bless you guys. You can go back. Thank you so much. Um, The archers, Wes and Anna, however, Wes had to work today. I know. And uh, their precious little girl, Avery. Hi, Avery. How are you? You okay? Yeah. Now, let me tell you something real quick about Anna. Maybe all of you haven't had a chance to meet her yet. Uh, We're so blessed God brought you here to coordinate our ministry to babies in preschool. So if you haven't met Anna yet and her husband, Wes, who's amazing, we're so glad God has brought them to our church, and we are especially excited to dedicate your precious baby girl today. Thank you so much. Well, these, uh, this next couple I know very well, Jared and Emily Shingleton. It's not, now, I am going to hold this one. You know, it's my grandson. Good grief. So this is Judah, this is Shiloh, who we dedicated a couple of years ago. How are you, Shy? Okay. But uh, here again, maybe you're a guest today and you all don't know the blessing it's been to be in ministry with your son. And Jared, God has used you from day one here at Hope Fellowship. I love you, brother. I love you, Emily. Judah Bug, I love you too. Bless you. Tyler and Sarah Sadler. Funny story. When we dedicated your first baby, their name was on the back side of the list, and I almost forgot them. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, of course they do. Yeah, we remember. So this is baby Lennox. Hello, precious. How are you? Oh, you're looking at me. You don't know what to think, do you? Can I get a smile? There it is. God bless you, Lennox. Precious. Love you guys. Love you guys. Skylar and Joanna Murray. And their precious little girl, Harper. Um, I I feel like I have a story on everybody. i got to share these stories. So here's my story on the Murrays. Um, I'm I'm at the eye doctor. I wear contact lenses. I can't see at all. And so without my contacts, I could not see how precious this baby girl is, okay? And so that's what Joanna does. She's an eye doctor. And you know when you get examined, you take out your contacts. Therefore, you can't see. And she walks in to give me my exam, and she's like, oh, hey, I didn't know I was going to get to give my pastor an eye exam today. And I'm like, I have no idea who's talking to me right now. It's quite awkward. But anyway, we love you, precious. God bless you. 
God bless you. Love you guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Shelby and Jennifer Craig with Bella. And all the girls, come on. Now, there's an incredible story here. This whole family, y'all have been my friends for a long time, way before Hope Fellowship Church. And I love you all. You know that. And so God gave Shelby and Jennifer, these two precious girls right here, and then how long ago, Bella, how long ago did you become a part of this amazing family? A couple of years ago. For three years in September. Okay, three years. So Bella was uh, first a foster child, and God did some incredible things, and you have been adopted into this family. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? So Bella, today, your mom and dad love you so very much, and they want to do with you what they did with your two sisters when they were much younger. God, <laughs> love you guys. Casey and Callie McClure, come on. Most of, you, <laughs> most of you know Casey as Officer Casey, the man who's 17 foot tall. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know I love you. Okay. And, and so God has done an incredible thing in his life, and we believe that this is all part of God's plan. And who is your helper today? Is this, this is my mother your mother-in-law? We're glad you're helping. So here's the deal. So we're de dedicating Emory today. Hi, Emory. How are you? Oh. And if you don't know this, uh, Casey and Callie, just how many months ago? Six. Six months ago. Can you see here what we have? We have twins. This is Deacon and Ellis. Which one is which? Deacon. Deacon. Hey, Deacon. How are you? I love you. God bless you. He's real excited to see me and Ellis. We love you guys. God bless you. Are you going to be dedicated today? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. God bless you guys. Thank you, Casey. Stephen and Jennifer Dellinger. Come on up here with precious little Evelyn. Now, Jennifer, she was giving me the down low in our meeting this morning. She's like, I don't know if you should hold my baby because, hello, precious. How are we doing? We okay? What do you think? Yeah, it's all good. Uh, the Dellingers, we've been talking. They've been in our church about five years now. And God has been so faithful to them. And, and one-year-old now, right? Bless them with this precious one-year-old little girl. Aren't kids amazing? Man, amazing. We love you guys. God bless you. And then last, but definitely not least, our, our new worship pastor and his wife, Drew and Lindsay Harrison. Where are you? Oh, you brought a cheering section today. Hey, what's that? Yeah, dude. Hey, dude. Oh, you're going to let me hold the dude. This is also Judah. So because he has the same name as my new grandson, I will never forget your child's name ever. And uh, obviously, you know, when you have a baby, it overwhelms your entire world, but in a good way. And we are so, we believe with all of our heart, God is at work in bringing your family to this church and we want to love your baby boy the very best that we can. And love you guys, too. We love you all. Love you, Judah. All right. Well, parents, I want, to, I want to take just a moment to dialogue with you all. And I want to ask you two or three questions. Parents, by coming forward today, do you hereby declare your desire to dedicate yourself 
and your baby to Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 6 gives us some ingredients for a godly home. The Bible says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, so impress them on your children. Talk to them. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So parents, let me ask you again. Do you promise to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength? Parents, do you promise to meditate on God's God's word so that it will be in your heart? Thank you. We didn't practice this part. But this is important. And parents, do you promise to teach God's word to your children, to pray for them, and as God empowers you to model a gospel-centered life to your child? I also want to acknowledge today that there are some grandparents here. We've got one on the stage. But if you're a grandparent to any one of these children, would you just stand, please, for a moment? We're so glad these grandparents are here today. And now I'd like to uh, invite everyone to join me as we pray over these precious families and babies. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, these families have brought their children before you today. And God, I want to first pray for these parents. God, I pray that you would use these parents for your glory. God, show them grace and wisdom and discernment. God, as they honor you and as they carry out this great responsibility of being a parent. God, I pray for each family represented here today. God, may they truly honor you in everything. And God, as we dedicate these children to you this very day, God, we acknowledge that you have created every one of these children in your perfect image. Thank you, Lord, for the incredible gift of life. And I pray, Lord, that these children will be raised to know you, to honor you, and to be trained in the ways, Lord, that you would desire for them to go. God, even now I pray that in your absolute perfect timing, Lord, that these precious children will come to know you to be Savior and Lord of their lives. God, we're thankful for every child here today, for every family represented. God, we do not take for granted the way you've blessed our church with so many young families. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. Bless these children now. May they chase after you as they grow up with all of their heart. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. God bless you all. Uh, Once again, if you're a guest today, let me just tell you, we're so very glad you're here. I know there are probably several of you who came because... One of these babies dedicated today is somehow related to you. Thank you for being here. Please know you're always welcome to join us. Uh, We're here every Sunday. God led us to plant this church eight years ago, and we've been meeting here at Rock Springs Elementary, gathering for worship every single Sunday for eight years. It's been an awesome journey. But thank you for being here with us today. Uh, We're in this series, Fully Known. This is the third week of it. And so what I want to do is I want to jump right in. Uh, We're walking through the New Testament book of 1 Peter. So some of you, if you brought a Bible today, go ahead and find 1 Peter. It's way in the very back of your Bible. And today we're going to be looking at part of chapter 2. If you forgot a Bible or you, many of you use your phone, 
you know, a, an app, a Bible app, that's fine, open it up. And then we'll also put a lot of this text on the screen for you today. Uh, so let's just jump right back in today. Uh, last week, we finished chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. And basically the takeaway from chapter 1 was that we're called to live holy lives. One of the key verses out of 1 Peter chapter 1 was verse 15. Let me just read it to you. Listen real quickly where the Bible says, As the one who has called you is holy, Scripture says, You also are to be holy in all of your conduct. And so I shared with you all last week this simple three-word phrase. And I said, use it this week. And I know some of you did. And when you found yourself this week, the prayer was, if you're in like this compromising situation where you're like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. I said to you, church, just ask yourself this three-word phrase. Here it is. Is it holy? Is it holy? Did any of you find yourself asking, asking that question this week? I'm just curious. Anybody? Like two of you. One, two, three. Okay, more than two. That's good. That's a win. There you go, right there. All right, I saw that hand. Is it holy? And so if you look at really a lot of what we studied in chapter 1 last week, there were some steps we learned. The Bible teaches us, not my steps, this is what Scripture says, on how we are to live a holy life. Four things. We're going to put them on the screen. We are to think differently about everything. We think differently if we're going to live a holy life. We live differently. We love differently. And we talk differently. Now, a good friend, he was processing everything we talked about last week. He's like, man, Kent, look at this, look at this. I, he, he found this quote, and I want to share it with you this morning. It is so powerful related to what we're talking about in the book of 1 Peter. We'll put it on the screen. It's a quote from a guy named Paul David Tripp. If you know this guy, he has an epic mustache. It may be worth finding him, just a picture of him, so you can see this awesome mustache the guy has. But look at this quote. It's so good. We forget that God's primary goal is not changing our situations or relationships so that we can be happy. Look, but it's changing us through our situations and relationships so that we will be holy. It would be real nice for us just to focus on life and happy, 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 but God has a plan, and He wants us to become holy. Now, I want to ask you to look with me, 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's start out by just reading the first three verses. One of these we read last week. We'll read it again. 1 Peter chapter, one, verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Look with me. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, like newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the Word, so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Simon Peter, let's think about what he's saying. He says, okay, we're going to pursue living a holy life. And he says, he says, church, there are some toxic things we've got to let go of. He says, We've no more cruelty, no more being mean, no more lies, no more deception, no more two-faced. Get rid of the jealousy, no resentment, no insults. 
And he says, instead of all that stuff, he says, I want you to be, and we, how, how awesome is this? This lined up with Mother's Day. He says, I want you to be like a little baby. Just like a, a hungry, crying little baby who will not be content until they get that bottle of milk. Oh my, we understand this. In order to live a holy life, Peter says, I want you to begin to feed on Scripture. And Peter is saying, church, when your faith is working the way it's supposed to, listen, he says, you will crave the Word of God. When your faith is working like it's supposed to, you're going to crave God's holy Word. It's this idea that there is nothing else that will satisfy you. When that little baby is crying and you know it needs to be fed, there's nothing else that will satisfy that baby than the milk. So then, why? Come on, preacher, tell me why I need to have this deep desire to really know God's Word. And Peter, he's as clear as can be, he says, it's so that you can grow up in your salvation. Let me just say this in a spirit of love. If you are a spiritual infant living in an adult body, it is time to grow up. Let me give you three truths related to just these first few verses we've read. We had a long conversation about this first one in the office this week. Truth number one, do you realize that biblical illiteracy is the new normal in America today? We, for the most part, are a biblical illiterate people. Well, what are you talking about? Well, not only do many people not read anymore, they don't read the Bible like they did at one time. There's all kinds of data that will support this. There are a lot of reasons for that, but I would suggest one reason is this. Why? Because most of us, we desire sensationalism over nourishment. Here's my illustration. Most of us would rather have a hot fudge sundae than a bottle of milk. Am I right? Come on. We are so very easily distracted. And the world saying to us, oh, look at this hot fudge Sunday. It's going to be so good. This is going to be the best hot fudge Sunday you've ever had in your entire life. In fact, if you'll buy one of these hot fudge Sundays, your taste buds will explode. Yeah, it's going to be just that good. And everybody now is thinking about hot fudge sundaes for lunch. The hot fudge sundae, yes, it will taste good. It may be exciting to eat, but friends, it's not real nourishing. It doesn't really strengthen you. It doesn't have a lot of nutritional value. And then in life, when the real testing comes you will find yourself weak and anemic. But if you have partaken of the Word of God and you know from the Word, you have learned from the Word that God is good 
And you know from the Word that God is gracious. When the trials come in your life, and they will, when the trials come, you will be strengthened by the Word and the promises of His goodness and the promises of His grace. That's why the Bible says, So then, desire the pure milk of the Word so that you may grow up into your salvation. It's just like a healthy, growing baby that we've seen on the stage today. Truth number one, biblical illiteracy. We, we have got to be a people of God's Word. Number two, you cannot grow spiritually apart from God's Word. You may be wondering, you've come to church today and you've been thinking about this for a while. Why am I struggling so much in my spiritual journey? Why am I struggling to follow Christ? Please hear me. You can only experience spiritual growth when you spend a significant amount of time in the Word of God. The Holy Bible, listen, it is the food that feeds the spiritual man. So apart from the Word of God, why would we think we could experience spiritual growth? Let me remind you what the Bible says in 2 Timothy. We'll put it on the screen for you. 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is God-breathed, all of it. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that who, we're the servants of God, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Truth number three, just related to these first verses we've read. Spiritual growth and spiritual experiences are different. Now, hear me out on this. I am just like most every one of you in church today. I love it. Man, I love it when God allows me to be a part of an amazing, unique spiritual experience. Those times are real. Those times are memorable. It's something I desire to be a part of. It's something you desire to be a part of. But I think it is very important to note you can get excited through spiritual experiences, but that rarely produces lasting spiritual growth. Genuine spiritual growth requires a dedication to the Word of God. All you have to do is think about what happened in the New Testament book of Acts. You think about Pentecost. You talk about a group of people being a part of a spiritual experience that was mind-boggling. It was amazing. Pentecost happens. Everyone understood the message of the gospel. Peter addresses the crowd. One day, you all, 3,000 people become believers. What an experience to be a part of, but I want you to think about this. On the heels of Pentecost, stay with me. As soon as Pentecost is over, you continue to read in the book of Acts, what do the new believers then do? The Bible says they met together in homes. Not such a phenomenal experience, but they came together in homes and they devoted themselves to the teaching of the word and to prayer. It's both. It's both. They had the experience, but then after that, they were dedicated to spiritual growth. Look at verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> Peter continues, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, he says, you yourselves, as living stones, are a spiritual house, 
And you are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So watch this. Peter says, as you come to the Lord, Peter says, here's what he's saying, Jesus, Jesus is the living stone. Now, I don't have time to chase down everything I want to, I want to chase here, but do you remember who Jesus said, Peter, you are the what? The rock. Peter knows about this stuff. Peter, you're the rock. And now Peter is saying, church, Jesus is the living stone. Now, I want you to see this. Stick with me just for a minute, and you're going to learn something new today. I want just for a moment to show you how the message of the gospel is all throughout God's word, all over the Old Testament, hundreds of years before God even sent Jesus as Messiah. Here's what I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul talked about the exact same thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the Apostle Paul, he said this. He said, the living stone, he said, the rock is Jesus. Peter said the same thing. Peter says, Jesus is the living stone. And then Paul, in this little mini-sermon, Paul, he says, people, I don't want you to be ignorant about all of our ancestors. And so then Paul, in his little sermon, says, let me tell you, let me remind you about Moses and the Israelites. Okay, now here's what we've done. We've just gone from the New Testament. We're going all the way back into the Old Testament, way before Jesus. And Paul says, do you remember our ancestors? Do you remember when they left Egypt? They were no longer slaves. And they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. By the way, I don't know if you've ever heard of a crisis of belief, but that was one. If I'm wandering around in the desert for 40 years, it's a crisis of belief. And then Paul points to Exodus chapter 17. We're on the screen. You just need to see this, and then we'll make the application. Exodus 17. <coughs> and so the entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin. They were moving from one place to the next according to the Lord's command. And they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. So, the people complained to Moses. Give us water to drink. Why are you complaining to me, Moses replied to them. Why are you testing the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And they grumbled against Moses. And they said, why did you ever bring us up from Egypt to kill us? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. They're about to die from dehydration. Then Moses cries out to the Lord, Lord, what should I do with these people? They're so angry in a little while they're going to stone me. And so the Lord answered Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you and take the staff, take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go up. <coughs> and I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. And when you hit the rock, 
water will come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, you're like, what in the world are we doing here? Hold on. Here's what I want to show you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is evident even in the Old Testament. Here's the application. Right now, today, Mother's Day 2019, you and I, we are just like the Israelites. We are wandering hopelessly. We, many of us are a frustrated people. We're tired. We're thirsty. We're mad. We really don't understand most days why life is so difficult. And yet God has a plan to save us. God says to Moses, watch this. He says, Moses, I want you to get your staff. Think about this church. Moses, I want you to get the same staff that you struck the Nile River with. What happened to the Nile River when, when that river was stuck with this staff? What happened? It turned into blood. Think about this. It's the gospel message. God says, Moses, I want you to strike the rock with that same staff. Strike the rock. Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, we're reading today, He is the rock. He is the living stone. And God says, when you strike the rock, water will spring up out of that rock and the people will be nourished. They will be satisfied. They will be saved. They will not perish. This is about so much more than hitting a rock with a stick to get water. This is a picture of the gospel. And I want to say to you today, I think we miss out on seeing these kinds of amazing truths when we just speed read through Scripture. <coughs> Jesus Christ, He is our rock. He was crucified. He was beaten. He shed his blood. He gave his life because it is the only way that you and I might have new life. This is the only way that the living stone, who is Jesus Christ, provides living water, new life. It, it, it's mind-blowing. And yet we see the message of the gospel throughout the Old Testament. Jump back now to 1 Peter. We'll continue. Chapter 2, verse 4. The text says in verse 4 that Jesus, the one who had been rejected by his own people, he was chosen and by his heavenly Father. Christ was rejected. We see it right there. You ever been rejected? Have you ever... Felt like absolutely no one cares? Most of you have. But I have some reasons. Jesus understands that. He, he knows. He fully knows. And he still loves you. In fact, it gets even better. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, as his follower, you now, the Bible says, are being made into a living stone. You are. Your life 
God's plan is to use you as a key component in building a spiritual house and in you becoming a part of what is called the holy priesthood. If you, if you continue to read chapter 2, you'll get to verse 9, which is probably one of the key verses in the whole chapter. Look at it with me. It talks about this priesthood. 1 Peter 2.9 But you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a born-again believer, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people for his possession. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As a follower of Jesus, you, you, you read this text and we are reminded what the Bible says about our life. This verse in the Bible is incredibly important. How dare we walk around having a pity party? How dare we underestimate what God desires to do in us and through us if you are a born-again believer? Why? Because you're part of a priesthood. Wow. Bet you didn't wake up this morning and look at yourself in the mirror and think that. Because you have been chosen for this task. Because Scripture says this involves royalty, and holiness, and it also involves you getting to be a messenger of light. Well, that's pretty decent. A messenger of light. So then if you begin to think about that and process that and apply that in your life, your next question may be, well, okay, where do I start? Well, what is my next step? And according to this text, there are two next steps. Step one, we'll put it on the screen. It comes out of verse five. What do you do? How do you live this life? Well, we begin to offer spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God. We'll talk about that. The second thing, we proclaim praises to Jesus. You can figure that one out. But what about this first one? You're like, what, what is this? Offering these, these spiritual sacrifices. I, I want you just for a moment to consider yourself a part of this priesthood. And if you've spent much time reading the Old Testament, you know that the priest would be the one to go to the temple to offer these sacrifices. Stay with me. The priest would go and offer these sacrifices on behalf of the people. You study the Old Testament and you see all these rules upon rules upon rules of this process of, of offering sacrificial offerings. But now... Because of Jesus Christ, because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Because Jesus Christ, the sinless one, the perfect one, because he gave his life on the cross, now we no longer offer up animal sacrifices and, and blood sacrifices on the altar to fix our sin problem, right? So, so what do we do? How do we offer these if I'm a part of the priesthood? When Peter says we're to offer these spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, what are they? And I simply want to point you to the answer to that question in Hebrews chapter 13. It tells us exactly what to do. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Through Jesus, 
because of what Jesus accomplished at Calvary. Through Jesus, therefore, because of that, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Now, some of you are old school in this room. The second I said, offer a sacrifice of praise, you know where your mind went? We bring the sacrifice of praise. Anybody know that song? I know you do. I know a few of you. The rest of you are like, no, don't do that. That's why we used to sing that song when I was a kid. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? It's the fruit of our lips that openly profess the name of Jesus. And do not forget to do good, to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Oh, any kids in the room today? But I don't want to share. I don't want to share. Well, guess what? You're wrong. Adults, guess where they learn not to share? From us. So we're going to offer the sacrifice, professing the name of Jesus in praise. We're going to be good people. We're going to be holy people. We're going to share because those are the kind of sacrifices God says, please him with your mouth. Openly profess the name of Jesus. And then if you know Jesus, if Jesus has changed your life, if he, if he has moved you from this place of darkness into his marvelous light, you, you just praise King Jesus it's this idea that you have an attitude of gratitude. We had a theme for Easter a couple of weeks ago. We called it the Easter praise party. And that was fun. But according to this text, it's not just an Easter praise party. It's an all year long praise party lifting up the name of Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. And I don't know if you're with me or not. Because you're processing right now... Kent, man, I know where my life is today. It's kind of here, and I feel like the Bible is calling me out to live here. And some days I'm here, and some days I'm here. And this is, this is something between you and the Lord God Almighty. And you know what's really hard about all this? The people that see us down here are usually the people that are closest to us. Amen? Mm. And then that makes it even more difficult. And then if you're married and you have a lot of, you know, equity with your spouse, you can have real honest conversations, which are good. And sometimes your spouse may say something to you like this, man, I feel like some days you're, you're nicer to strangers or, or, or your friends than you are to me. And yet we read God's holy word and we see how he calls us to live. I've thought a lot about this text and about people God's placed in my life. And uh, when I first entered into gospel ministry, you know, I transitioned from a young college dude who got a cool job, and I realized that's not what God wanted me to do with my life. And I, I started serving at Exchange Avenue Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And one of the guys I met early in ministry there was a guy that worked with an organization called Young Life. Many of you have heard of that group. And this dude named Scott McLean, like for real. 
I don't know that I'd ever been around this kind of sincere, holy, Christian man. And it was just awesome. Because for the most part, for me growing up, I think there had been some hypocrisy in my own family. God bless my mom. I love her. She's pure. She's holy. She loves the Lord. But oftentimes in a family, the dynamics of what happened, it, it's the dad who takes that lead role. It's a biblical principle. The dad's supposed to be the father, the spiritual leader of the home. And oftentimes my dad was a bit hypocritical in his faith. So I had not been around a lot of men who really lived out this kind of faith. And Scott McLean was an incredible example to me when I was young in ministry of what it actually looked like to live this kind of a holy life. What it looked like to offer a sacrifice of praise to Jesus. What it looked like to be generous and to unconditionally love others and to share and to be good to others. And it taught me so much. And so my prayer for you today is, as we close out this Mother's Day is that you would be able to take the truth of God's holy word and begin to let it marinate within your life. And then out of that, there would be fruit that would cause you to live a holy life. Transform overnight? Probably not. Some of you made a commitment with me January the 1st to begin to read the Bible through this year. Some of you are still at it and some of you are like, oh, bro, don't bring that up because I fell off that wagon a few weeks ago. But you know what? You just get back on. You get back on. I, I, I'm the preacher and I've missed some days on my Bible reading plan. I confess, quitting, I just got back on. And you can too. And so, man, I want to encourage you, be in God's Word. Let, let God's Word speak to you. And then be transformed. The, the most important thing, hear me out. The worship team's coming up. Don't worry about them. Every week they start working up here. And, hey, whoa. Don't worry about them. The most important thing I want you to know today, hear me, look at me, hear me. Jesus loves you. Jesus has this incredible plan for your life. He unconditionally loves you. He knows everything about you. And he loves you just like you are. And he's calling on you to come to him and follow him. And I'm encouraging you, begin to take those steps to obediently follow Jesus. Bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful for this day. God, Mother's Day is awesome. And we're going to celebrate that. Many families will gather today at lunch and this afternoon, and it's going to be great. But Lord, what will make it more great is for each of us, God, to crave the truth of your holy word. And then, God, to, to begin to apply it. And, God, to ask your Holy Spirit to empower us to live it out. God, may we not be a church full of biblically illiterate people. But, God, let us grow. Let us let us have a love and a desire for your word, just like the baby who, who craves that milk. No more baby Christians in adult bodies, God. Grow us up. Grow us up. Grow me up. God, show me and teach me things you've never yet shown me. 
And I pray that for this whole congregation. Lord, for the people in the room today who are like, whoa, okay, okay, God's drawing me. You, you sense right now that the Lord is drawing you to follow him. Oh, I would encourage you to, to lean into that, to respond to what God is calling you to do. He's inviting you to follow him. That's what it is. I encourage you to do that this day. Lord, thank you for the time we've had. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.